millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, obviously, with events in Paris at the weekend, much of our focus was on that. We spoke to Liverpool uh, supporting author and journalist Tony Evans, and uh, he gave us his take on what went on on and off the field in Paris. Uh, there was a press conference for the sports minister in Paris, and we went straight there and spoke to someone who was asking the questions uh, of those ministers today. Um, we had a bit of a chat we about did, various yeah. we things, various didn't we, things, of course? Yeah. And we had some classic clips pewter from back in 2009. So that should keep you busy. Here we go. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. And good afternoon, everybody. And, uh, yeah, that was all very depressing, wasn't it, what happened before the game, what's happened afterwards, the French government blaming the fans... The fans and the journalists blaming UEFA and the French government. It's really quite unpleasant and cast a pall over the whole thing, didn't it? I mean, it, really? the the idea that there were thirty to 40,000 people without tickets or fake tickets, it seems sort of anecdotally an awful lot of people attempting to bunk in without tickets were locals. But um, first of all, they said they arrived late. And they, you know, they clearly didn't yeah, arrive no. late. And there I mean, clearly were problems with the way it was policed. I've only, I've been to one Champions League final. I mean, you've, how many have you been to? You've been to a couple? You've yeah, been, I've been to one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our experience and that of the Liverpool fans in Madrid, look, it wasn't perfect, but it was a whole lot better than that. And there were checks before you got there to check mm. your tickets to see if there were any fakes. And I don't think you had lots of locals. To, it was quite interesting. There was a, a, a bit of video footage doing the rounds of the, the Champions League coverage and uh, the point being made that the final was held in Paris and Thierry Henry quickly jumps in. He said, it's not being held in Paris, it's being held in Saint-Denis. And he said this big difference between Paris. And they said, well, it's a suburb of Paris. He said, yeah, but you don't want to be stuck in Saint-Denis. But it's where that stadium is. It's exactly. In the France, so, so, you know, what are you going to do? That was an issue as well. You got a lot of people turning up before the game to try and get into the ground. And after the game... Clearly, to pick people off, and there wasn't sufficient numbers of police or I mean, stewards. Both sets of fans complained about, about being attacked, and yeah, and of course, that that was true of Madrid fans as well. So it was a bit of a free for all. So why hold it at that stadium at, and knowing that there could be local issues and not having sufficient stewarding or, or definitely mm. policing? I mean, thirty to forty thousand fake tickets. You find that really hard to believe. And how can you quantify that in less than forty-eight hours? Nah. And if you've got that, if you can find that out. 
in 36 hours, say, how comes you didn't you, you didn't have the intelligence to know there was going to be that many tickets? Also, the evidence you saw with your own eyes. You saw yeah. the two police vans parked the way they are, forcing everybody in that way. You saw people being tear gassed for no reason whatsoever. You know, yeah. these are clear, you know, but the French government don't want to admit that. And they don't want to, you know, they've got a problem. They've got a problem with the Olympics coming up as well if they can't. You know, even Paris itself, the Metro drivers went on strike, didn't they, on Saturday? Yeah. You know, Hopeless, absolutely. If I was, if I was a UEFA and the Olympia, I'd say no events in Paris for at least ten years and see, see if they can sort it out because that was unacceptable. Yeah. No. Um, On the pitch, though, I thought uh, it was, you know, quite an interesting game. I'm fascinated by Thibaut Courtois, though. I mean, this is the greatest moment of your life. Yeah. You know, you've played absolutely brilliantly. Oh, you've got to have some ego to be worried about what people think about you at that yeah. point. Well, not just some, not what people, what 442 magazine oh, think yeah. of you. Chronic. Because really, Liverpool fans, or uh, Madrid fans, you should be saluting 442 because he played out of his skin because <laughs> he didn't make their recent list of top 10 goalkeepers. Well, I mean, he has got a point. Well, if I was the editor of 442, I'd be thinking, think of the power we've got as a publication. It'd be fantastic. <laughs> but it was a ridiculous it? list. And it smacked of sort of like, I'm, I'm so clever, I'm so much of a football aficionado uh, with goalkeeper number nine, Yassine Bounau, who I can't say I've really heard of. Severe. Severe. I can't say that he's definitely not a better goalkeeper than Thibaut Courtois, is he? That's clear. Well, we're interested here from you this afternoon and whether uh, you can, because uh, I was saying to you the other week, we could possibly have taken mm. the, the blame for uh, Chelsea 2, Wolves 2 and that comeback by Wolves because Connor Cody did admit after mm. training he was driving home and heard Wolves getting a bit of a coating on Talk Sport. And I'm fairly certain that was me talking to you when I said, mm. you said, you, oh, we're going to lose to Wolves. I said, do you see Wolves last, last weekend? They're, they're gone. Mm. And um, so sometimes... You can yeah. take the blame slash credit for something. So if you're claiming that, it could be a famous incident. Let us know this afternoon. Talksport.com forward slash H&J. Text 81089 or tweet to TSH&J. VAR had a nightmare weekend, both in that game and yesterday. I mean, they took far too long on the Benzema goal. And the rule itself, and we were talking to Mark Housie about it, what a daft rule that is, that it has to be a deliberate... Uh, playing of the ball to the forwards to make him not offside. I mean, who would deliberately do that? Yeah. Nobody would, would they? Surely it'd be an error. Why have they made pass, it so complicated? If it comes off the defender, it comes off the defender. That's it. He's onside. Yeah. That's ridiculous. It can't be deflected, but it did oh, allow that pathetic. one and only opportunity for Fletch to say, let's bring Peter Walton oh, in. Splinters. <laughs> he couldn't make up his mind. He did give us a, a few alternatives, though, which was fine. Yeah. Thanks very much. And then yesterday, it was very funny, Stuart Pearce, analysing the decisions, he said, uh, people at Stockwell Park <laughs> Yes, they've had a nightmare, those people at Stockwell Park all That's season. Right. Yeah, yeah, they've, they've, they get ticketless people there trying to jump the barriers as well <laughs> at Stockwell. So um, we are going to be um, looking in a bit more detail. At, uh, we're going to be in Paris later on uh, to uh, see what the, the reaction has been from their media, um, not the official government line, of course, which we've been getting in the last half hour. And we'll bring you more on that as we get it, but uh, that was the thrust of what the French Interior Minister and the Sports Minister said. Thirty to 40,000 people without tickets or with fake tickets. Um, uh, a very interesting piece by uh, Daniel Austin from the Metro today, who was there, saying that there were um, stops to check tickets before people got close to the uh, stadium, but it was such a mess that people were just kettled there for about an hour, and then they just gave up 
It was under an underpass and they just abandoned it, which meant anybody's gone, then just go to the next stage, which is why there were so many people near the stadium who'd not had their ticket had their tickets checked at all, which is which is ridiculous. Mm. Uh, the reaction to it as well, people have been far too ready to blame Liverpool fans, uh, despite the fact there was an awful lot of independent uh, journalists and eyewitness reports on, yeah, but they got the on blame what then. was going on. The journalists, they were lying as well, apparently. Yeah, uh, there's some kind of conspiracy. Mm. But uh, an awful lot of people, you heard Henry Winter uh, this morning on the station you've probably read lots and lots of reports from people definitely without skin in the game and no link to Liverpool telling you what they uh, witnessed the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hawksby and Jacobs here on TalkSport. We are actually going to kick off talking uh, Liverpool and the events at the weekend. I saw one Liverpool fan who was at the game the other day saying, if we get PSG in the Champions League next season, you can have my ticket. Yeah, don't blame him. Um, yeah, it was a she, actually. Yeah. But yeah, don't blame I mean, one her. thing to say was, thank goodness the Liverpool fans were patient and didn't push at the gates and yeah. did behave themselves. Otherwise, it could have been an absolute disaster. Um, Tony Evans is a veteran of many uh, a Liverpool uh, European game. I understand he wasn't at this one. Uh, maybe he's probably grateful that he wasn't. Uh, he's from the Independent, of course, and uh, author of many fine Liverpool books. Good afternoon, Tony. Hey, chaps. How are you today? Good, thanks. As I said, it's it's a game you would normally have been at. I'm sure you've been speaking to uh, lots of friends. I mean, what has the reaction been? Are they are they kind of saying, Tony, you 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 fight, you missed the you missed a good one to miss in terms of what happened off the pitch? Oh, definitely, definitely. I started getting texts and messages about two hours before the game, sort of forewarning me that there was um, that there was trouble coming, and it just got worse and worse throughout the night, and uh, it's. 
it's amazing that you know you look at the French now and they appear to be doubling down on it. Mm. Uh, that there was, a, you know, that they, they turned up late and there was people without tickets. But you know, it's um, it, it's quite interesting watching the the press conference go. Oh yeah, they left the fans zone late and we couldn't trace them. And there was a train strike. You can see them dissembling all the way along the line. If people had turned up in the numbers that they claim that that, that didn't have tickets, thirty to forty thousand, mm. there would have been carnage. Yeah. And also, they'd be showing us the piles of forged tickets that they, these have either confiscated or found around the stadium. Yeah, no, you're it's, right. It's, it's far horrib- too convenient. Yeah, it's, it's a horribly familiar story for you. This must be with the French police and the government, just police and government blaming the fans. Yeah, yeah, and the thing is, I had texts from people who I knew were in the pens at Hillsborough, and they were caught up in crushes outside, and they were saying, you know, sort of how it was particularly difficult for them, you know, it's, um, uh, you know, sort of flashbacks, and I, what's the, the the worst thing is the, there were so many fans you see on social media from other clubs who went, oh, scousers again. Anyone who's travelled to Europe, and particularly France and Spain, with with clubs from the Premier League will recognise what's happened and they'll see, you know, the, the sort of syndrome that goes on there that they're, that they're treated very, very badly. And, you know, a UEFA official admitted it to uh, one of the reporters when he said, he says, you know, there's, there's just a perception that English fans are harder to deal with than any other group of supporters when it's actually not true. Mm. The opposite is true. Well, the Premier League fans are probably the easiest to deal with these days. The the French Interior Minister has said he'd like to thank the forces of law and order. They were very calm and able to avoid drama. But they certainly calm. There's that one clip, which is one of the most troubling clips of the weekend, of a young lad. I think he's just putting his ticket in the ticket machine. He's just scanning his QR code. And a copper in right gear just nonchalantly wanders forward and just sprays him right in the face. You think, so what's that all about? I mean, you know, he's not posing a threat. Clearly, he's not attempting to climb over the barrier. And there are lots and lots of isolated cases of very, very similar things, just unprovoked spraying of pepper spray in, in fans' faces. Yeah, well, my first experience with the CRS, the French riot police, was in 1981, and again against Real Madrid, and another day when there wasn't a lot of trouble at all, in, in very difficult times for football, and they were on a hair-trigger temper, and they were, you know, they, they had the batons and the tear gas out, that was the first time I was ever tear gassed, and, um, and it, it's... In, in Paris, in particular, the police are very, very difficult to deal with. And some of the sights we saw, you know, are, are absolutely unbelievable. And this wasn't reacting to dangerous situations. This was actually... Tony? Yeah, sorry, we nearly lost We nearly lost you there. I mean, the stuff after the game as well, the fact that there wasn't a level of policing and, well, policing, really, if people mm. are going back into town or going back to the station, and that fans of both clubs has been picked off by pick... Look, they know the area. They know what goes on. They must... If they've got the intelligence to know already there were 40,000 fake tickets, they'll certainly have the intelligence uh, around the fact that local gangs were there to pickpocket and mug people. So why wasn't there sufficient policing to deal with that? As well, they focus on the wrong thing. They focus on expecting a right from um, from Liverpool fans instead of focusing on the real problem, 
which is uh, you know the, the the gangs who were there to prey on supporters. We could tell me, we've got to try and get you back. We, we, our line is breaking up a little bit, so we will attempt to get you back in in a, in a few moments. I you mean, talk a bit about Liverpool on the pitch, really. Yeah, we're going to talk a bit about that as well. I mean, there were, you know, there were Liverpool took their own stewards. There was Merseyside police were there. They yeah. witnessed everything that happened. Exactly. Look forward to seeing uh, their reports. I think they'd be probably different from what we're getting out of France. We'll be in Paris a little bit later on. To get the reaction there, what the French press uh, are saying, I think apparently there's been a little bit of backtracking on those initial reactions of blaming the fans. And a, a, among all the re- the arrests, very, very few of them, just less than a handful really, were were of British fans. That's right, and he, Tony's right as well. You know, if you, there were 40,000 fake tickets, you'd have seen them. Yeah, of course. You'd have, you'd have, you just that, yeah, and uh, you know, they would have known that sort of thing was happening. You know, they've, 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 UEFA would know that sort of thing was happening. That wouldn't come as a surprise on the day to the people organising and uh, managing a, a Champions League final. It was a it was a cock-up. And the idea that they had very little time to prepare for that, a mm. city of that size that has lots and lots of sports events, is not a good enough excuse. Uh, it's my fault Liverpool lost on Saturday after the 2018 final. My wife, a Liverpool fan, barred me from watching Liverpool games. I was finally allowed to watch with her on Saturday. Now, sadly, I'm banned again, says Wirral Steve. <laughs> oh, no. um, we're going to get. I think we've got Tony back. Hi, Tony. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We've gone Sorry for the. We've gone for the old technology. Oh, marvellous. Um, we want, yeah, we want to talk, Andy, a little bit about the yeah uh, about, about what happened on the just, field. Just this idea that Liverpool have struggled against the, the other members of the top four teams that qualify for next year's Champions League and three finals where they, where they didn't score, even though this is a team that do score a lot of goals and do create a lot. Yeah, well, the funny thing is that um, the, the the finals, you know, the three finals where the you know they could have scored. They could have scored um, plenty of goals in each of them, mm. and um, they, but they were misfiring really for the last couple of months of the season. You know, it's, um, I, I think the, the you know Salah come back from the Africa Cup of Nations. He was so good in the first part of the season, and he never quite hit the same heights. And you know, it, it's they just weren't they weren't creating the plethora of chances that they did earlier on in the season. And I think I think it's a, a couple of things. I think it's a little bit of fatigue and you know key players picking up injuries. But you know, it's um, I, I, I think good sides that they're playing against. I mean, Chelsea, a particularly good side, a particularly good manager, uh, you know, worked out ways of trying to minimise certainly the effect of uh, Alexander Arnold. You know, and um, and again, I thought it was really noticeable that Real Madrid, particularly in the first half, tried to tried to get the ball, make sure the ball went out to the left all the time. You know, they put a lot of pressure on the right side of the Liverpool, um, the, the right flank for Liverpool, to make sure that, that Trent and Gerrard as much. So, yeah, I think there's an element of that. But I think, you know, they, they've, I think some of it's overstated. They, they run out of steam a little bit, but not enough to explain really why they didn't score goals in three finals. I think the reason they didn't score goals in three finals is they were playing two very, very good teams. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, the other story yesterday was uh, Sadio Mane and the feeling that he's he's going to be leaving. Um, I mean, Liverpool have shown they are able to churn and and sort of regenerate. And Diaz is there, um, Jota's there. They're kind of arguing at the point where they lost Coutinho. You could argue they're in a better situation now than they were then. Carvalho coming in, etc. So, are you are you concerned about that? Or do you think a bit of churn 
is a good thing? No, I think it's definitely a good thing. I mean, one of the things we complained about, about a lot of people complained about after uh, Madrid in, in 2019 was the fact that they didn't buy from a position of strength and they kept the same squad together. It turns out brilliantly, actually. But, it's um, you know, you've got the, the, the front three, the, the front three that powered them to this situation are all getting to be over 30. You know, you've got to, you've got to take a look and you've got to freshen it up. And Diaz has been brilliant since he came in, although he chose to have probably his worst mm. game in the final, which I think says more about Real Madrid than it says about Diaz. Um, and so, so yeah, I'm fairly comfortable that way. They probably need to freshen the midfield up as well. I think the defence, by and large, is in very good shape because Canate had a stormer. His best game for Liverpool, by contrast. Mm. And um, so I think, I think Liverpool fans can be comfortable about, you know, next year. And, I mean, I don't think anyone can complain about a season like this where they won two cups, got to a third final, and we're in contention for the league. I mean, it's been a stormer of a season, and I expect them to be there and thereabouts next year. Good stuff, Tony. Good to mm. talk to you. Thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. And the independence, uh, Tony Evans, Liverpool. Yeah, I don't for... see them going backwards, but I do see that they're going to have to do something in the summer to yeah. keep up with City. I mean, you know... And Tottenham not... are going to get stronger. Chelsea, I think... Once the new ownership in will also get stronger. So, yeah, it's and it's like, been a, it's kind of been a self-funding model. They've 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 been brilliant at recruitment, but they've not overpaid generally for no, players. No, no, uh, they're, they're not what they're but doing. But what are you going to get for Sadio Mane? Sort of 30, 40 million, twenty-five million, they maybe. Yeah. yeah. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. It's been interesting all this stuff about uh, Andy Carroll and uh, his holiday antics, and mm. I'm sure it merited three days of front pages. I'm not a Big fan of all this Billy Muck raking. Hey, nice. Yeah, thank you very much. Tremendous. <laughs> yes. I'm not, though, really. I don't know. It seemed, a, seemed like an excessive coverage for that story, really. But there we go. Uh, there was an international tug-of-war tournament in Switzerland in the weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a big one. There was a lot of sporting events this weekend, but that one really pulled me in. Thank you. <laughs> God, blimey, it's like the birthday spreads come <laughs> a few days early. Yeah. It's marvellous. You ever been it? in a tug-of-war, Andy? Uh, well, I have, yeah, in the old... School sports day. We used to do tug of war. Yeah. Did you really? Oh yeah. Fantastic. There wasn't a posh school, but we did do tug of war. And how did you fare in it as a small man? Did you? Were you a great anchor? Uh, I imagine <laughs> you were. Nutter. I imagine you were the you were the anchor at the back. A lot of people and you're say being that. dragged, literally dragged <laughs> through the mud. And uh, have you seen that? Um, I mean, there's going to be a whole generation of kids out there who've never been in a tug of war. Do you think it's still a, they still do it? Is nah, it a thing? I can't I mean, imagine. I know you're a big be. fan of TikTok. How often is the tug of war on TikTok, Andy? <laughs> I think you're very unlikely for me to have a look. It's a big thing. Well, you can, yeah, in your own oh, time. Well, but, I'll uh, just, just search it while we're talking and okay, see if anything and just see comes if it's up. quite big. There were thousands of the kids are out there doing tug of war. <laughs> of course. It'll come out as if the battle between Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Yes. We'll see. Probably literal ones. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Tug of war. Yep. And let's see, let's see uh, if there's anything... Uh, well, it does come up. Okay, fair enough. Oh, yeah, look. There you go. See, look. All right. It's all on TikTok. So it's obviously still popular. Are these influencers doing it? <laughs> I don't know. Is this the <laughs> Kardashians versus the real wives? <laughs> That'd be good. That it? would be in a tug of war. Influencers tug of war. That would be good, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, what a great piece about Andy Murray as well, who uh, was uh, got dressed up as a dragon yesterday as mm. part of uh, his 
kids party which is very sweet i suppose he must have put it on social media which then makes it fair game yes uh but it's uh big puff daddy see puff the the dragon and puff the, the magic dragon, dragon yeah. yeah providing he doesn't run out of puff he'll be able to slay opponents that's marvelous uh, he dressed up like puff the dragon in case you didn't get the whole of the references to <laughs> okay. it okay this much. is the way that this is the paper's take on it i see yeah yeah i mean blimey when Talk about my my references. Puff the Magic Dragon. That was before I was born, wasn't yeah. it? God. Well, I don't know. Is he on TikTok? Why don't you ever look him up? Puff the Magic Dragon he won't doing a tug of war. He definitely won't. Honestly, some people do write the oddest things to the newspapers. This person wrote to the Star and said, Great to see Simon O'Brien turn up in Corrie. It's 40 years ago when he paid teenage tear away Damon Grant. I almost didn't recognise him. Boy, he's aged. Yes, yeah, 40 years. <laughs> what do you think's going to happen to him? No, I think you'd expect you'd expect some People. part of the aging process, wouldn't you? Yes, <laughs> marvelous, isn't it? Some lovely column fodder. Oh yes, you know. So this is a bit where I pick a bit out of one of these columns. You just think, what was the point of this? Okay, this is, this is somebody's <clears throat> column in a in a broadsheet, yeah. sheet, is it? No, no, in a sort of semi tabloid. Yes. Okay. What is it with peonies? They're glorious. Huh? But, Exactly. Yeah, Mike Parry. <laughs> kind of peonies, do you sell? Peonies, the flowers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Impossibly hard to grow. There's a patch of them in our garden, and every May it looks as if for once a spectacular display might appear. Then as the month nears it ends, it becomes obvious that once again the tiny buds I'd <laughs> tiny hoped, bonds. Tiny buds I'd hoped for and are going to stay minuscule hard beads, never emerging into the blousy blooms I so love. A perennial disappointment. A bit like your column, to okay. be honest. Fair enough, Andy. Everyone's a critic. <laughs> well, they are, that's right. Not easy writing a column every week. Well, it? I don't suppose it is. I've never generating been... Generating new never, material. Never been asked. The very best of them, they manage it, but there's a lot of lame ones out there, <laughs> isn't it? They just, are, yeah. just taking the cash <laughs> and basically repeating back to you what they've seen. Yeah. Anything else? Well, I, I'm, we're going to talk about John Moss, but giving John Moss the playoff final wasn't a great idea, was it, really? It's, it's such a huge game. I mean, he, yes, he's... You know, he's done service, he's, he's, a, he's a ref. <laughs> yeah, you know. oh, thank you. But that is high praise indeed. Well, you know. It's John not, Moss, he's a ref. It's a strange one, and then you end up with VAR not wanting to saw him off in his final game, and yeah. you get a mad decision like that. Well, um, we did ask you earlier on if there's anything you can take the blame or credit for uh, off the back of 442, mm. effectively taking the credit for Real Madrid winning the Champions League final because they left Thibaut Courtois out of their top ten goalkeepers in a recent list and he fed off that he fed off what he felt was uh, the indignity of it all um, and the unfairness and he put in that sort of performance and of course Real Madrid won the final so uh, what are you to blame for or can take the credit for Dan says I'm I'm indirectly responsible for the who chant at um, Birmingham Surely City. that existed before dance was born. He said, when doing blue subs, I used to leave a gap, as the uh, Birmingham Stadium announcer, for the player coming off before the player coming on to allow for two separate rounds of applause. I did the same for away sides, and the Blues fans filled the gaps. Ah. So they went in with the who's. Oh, they so maybe, started it then. Maybe it was okay. Birmingham City right. that started it. So that's yeah. a pretty decent claim of fame, That's a very good claim Leaving that gap. So do keep those coming. Talksport.com <laughs> forward slash H&J. You can text to 81089 and tweet to TSH&J. All the forest... Um, I think Matt Ford, we hope to catch mm. up with. Matt's on... I think he's on presenting duty today in Nottingham. Yeah, well, great uh, for him. And Johnny Owen, of course, right. You know, we saw in the crowd right. yesterday. We're in the Royal Box. Yeah, yeah that's right. Vicky yeah, McClure, yeah. tremendous. Yeah. And uh, during the delay, uh, waiting for the match to start on uh, Saturday, I sort of fiddled about the channels. And I, I came upon the final of the Grand Prix of the Speedway. 
Oh, yeah. So I thought, I only watch Speedway to prove my point. And guess what? And I'm your not... point is what? The bloke who gets to the first corner always wins. OK, I'm not sure that's true. but Well, yeah. he did. OK, well, in that case. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was the most boring procession. The first bit of the race was made, then he did it, and that was it. It was all over. And you think that no race has ever been won? Uh, well, I beyond anybody if doing they that. crash, I suppose. But yeah, other than that, no. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. You've been uh, hearing uh, during our news and sports bulletins today that uh, there was a press conference at the French Sports Ministry a little bit earlier on. All the chaos at the Champions League final. The Interior Minister has spoken. A sports Minister as well took some questions. Uh, um, and we chat now to someone who's in the room putting some of those questions from uh, Associated Press. He was also uh, outside the stadium on Saturday night and was reporting on that. Rob Harris joins us once again. Hello, Rob. Hi, good afternoon, guys. Afternoon. Uh, yes. So, uh, I mean, the tone of it, uh, just kind of give us a feeling for, through your eyes, what was the tone of this press conference, really? Where, where did they seem to be uh, portioning the blame for what happened? Well, it was a slightly chaotic sort of small room we were crammed into, actually, uh, in the French Sports Ministry. And they tried to present their account over what happened on Saturday night and very much blaming the fans, blaming the thirty to 40,000 fans they said had fake or without tickets, all those without tickets at all who tried to enter the Stade de France. They talk about the various filtering zones and they all sorts of allegations in terms of the fake tickets. They did show me some actually at the end of the press conference, the uh, real and fake ones. And one thing that was noticeable actually was the fact that there isn't a really sophisticated um, hologram on these tickets, even the real ones, which obviously perhaps does make them easier uh, to fake. But we did get some sort of figures from the uh, the ministers and the interior minister uh, did say that... Um, 70% of the tickets were fake coming into the Stade de France. This was on the outer ring, and that is an incredibly large number they're claiming of fake tickets. Whether or not they have a collection of these, you'd think if they were fake, they would gather them. It would be interesting to see those. They said 15% of fake tickets were then at the next filtering point as well. So more than two. 1,600 tickets were confirmed by UEFA, they say, as non-validated tickets, even though they'd gone through the first filtering. And, uh, yeah, they're saying that helped to, that caused the massive uh, delays and all the queues, all these people with fake tickets. They also still blamed late arrivals. And it was just something I really tried to press on, like, when should a fan actually have arrived at the game? Because there were fans queuing for a long time before what should have been kickoff. There was an. I was going to say there was an apology from the interior minister, but do you? Do you, I mean you also thanked the the police and uh, who did? They said who were calm. <laughs> well, that didn't look like it from the pictures we saw. I mean, is there is there any admission of of, of guilt or failure here? Well, the only expression of sorrow was those who they said had their experience wasted on Saturday night. So it was quite a. Ne- narrow apology they also did ask for compensation for those 2,700 people who um, seemingly couldn't get in because of um, issues with their tickets but they really did defend the um, uh, systems around the policing the way that fans were targeted with tear gas and pepper spray it was something I pushed on you had to shout the questions out really from the back because it was not a structured or organised press conference system um, you know as we talk about the the chaos and disorder of Saturday night and uh, very much saying it saved 
Yeah, I wanted to ask him about those yeah, we'll two try, police Yeah, we'll try and get vans. Rob back if we can, because we've got a couple more questions to ask him, because, uh, yeah, but there, I've, I've Rob posted the pictures of the two fake tickets. Well, it doesn't make sense, though, is it? I mean, this, these are you know pretty sophisticated. Well, if there were 70,000, wouldn't you have seen these people all walking in the other direction? Yeah. I mean, look, tw- there's pictures of the two tickets, and they do look... Yeah, of course they look very similar because they've been trying to... If it's that sophisticated, mm. why is it only affecting Liverpool fans and not Real Madrid fans? And what percentage of these 40,000 fake tickets were in the hands of Liverpool fans? You know, Real Madrid's got a big global fan base. We, I think we've got Rob back. Yeah, Rob, mm. sorry, we lost you there. I was saying, you've posted pictures of those two fake tickets. And I was just saying that... Then, if it's that sophisticated an operation, there were forty thousand of them flooding the market. Why did it not seem to affect Real Madrid fans that they weren't targeted with fake tickets because their fan base is huge, every bit as big as Liverpool's around the world, and so there would have been people you would think with fake tickets there. But it seems it was only Liverpool fans who had them. Well, I mean, we did say see those tickets, and that you know they didn't quite have the sophistication you might. Uh... Uh, imagine and also I don't know when it did cut out there I'm just traveling through the streets of Paris at the moment and uh, there was a chance to press the, the sports minister as she left the room further to try to ask why did the police fire tear gas indiscriminately and uh, she didn't answer the question uh, I asked a couple of times and she does speak great English which I think would be actually very helpful on a day like this this uh, press conference obviously with concern in France but actually very much an audience back in England, in Liverpool in particular, wanting to know um, just why they acted as they did, the French authorities on Saturday night, with the hugely distressing experience um, for many Liverpool fans. Did, did they mention the two police vans that blocked the way and forced everybody down a small area? Well, yeah, I mean, it was uh, an experience I actually encountered. I was at the stadium about three hours before the game. Uh, had to find our way to the accreditation area and uh, with another journalist we were sort of being misdirected there was uncertainty over where we should be going and then actually in the end directed to quite a narrow um, place to actually get to where we we thought we needed to go to and there wasn't the significant signage anywhere uh, there weren't the sort of people sort of milling around to sort of offer friendly advice it was all very much the sort of stewards or policing and the fact the police were there in riot gear, and they were sort of lined up on those uh, barriers. And unlike Wembley, there is a lot of space outside the Stade de France at the final checkpoint before uh, entering the stadium. But certainly, you know, some of those most uh, searing images will be of, of the fans complaining to me about how they feared being crushed, about uh, asthmatic fan being uh, impacted by the tear gas. And indeed, as the game was already underway, the Champions League final already underway, just literally outside of the door to the media entrance, looking across and seeing uh, police firing rounds of tear gas uh, just at a distance over a fence. Wasn't there some pressure put on you? Was it you or one of your colleagues at AP, Rob, who was told to um, delete footage they'd shot what was going on outside the stadium? Yeah, this was by a uh, member of the private security that he was uh, taken aside and they demanded that he he did delete the the footage we still do have that footage uh incidentally uh, has been seen and that was heavy-handed tactics which meant i actually then encountered the same thing a, sh- a short time later uh having heard that happened um there was an attempt by uh, the, the private security to demand my phone and to demand deleting of the footage because i'd been showing the actions there seemed to be a quite a, a keen intrigue for them to stop the the uh, the scenes being shown um which obviously they had time to do to to go after the media rather than dealing what they claim to be a sort of significant situation in front of them but 
I was able to actually evade um, the security to be able to retain the footage. Unfortunately, UEFA, the staff that were um, backed by the, this, this, the entrance to the stadium, did intervene to. Oh, oh it's, gone, he's, it's gone in a tunnel I again. I think we've lost Rob. Yeah, he's out and about yeah. in Paris. So we, look, we thank him for his time. He was in the room just now. I'm sure you'll be hearing more of that press conference uh, throughout the afternoon. But, uh, yeah, some, I mean, the other thing is that, you know, they, they said, well, you know, we only had three months to plan for this. Give us a break. But if, look, if you don't feel you can hold the event properly, then don't, don't do say it. yes to it. Yeah, exactly. Worrying stuff. Anyway, I'm, yeah, I'm sure the fallout will continue. What have they made of it over in Spain? I mean, there were some reports as well of Madrid fans being picked off as they made their way back to the station to get into the centre of Paris from Saint-Denis after the game. Uh, pickpockets and muggings going on, but they didn't clearly have the same issues around uh, ticketing and getting into the stadium in the kind of numbers that Liverpool fans did. So we'll see what they're saying over in Spain very shortly and uh, we'll get reaction to the game and that uh, victory. I mean, it's been an inc incredible Champions League yeah. campaign from ridiculous one with the teams they beat on the way and the way they beat them mad. Yeah. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. The Talk Sport Clips of the Week. Well, not really. Uh, September, October 2009, this is, as we've said before, this the dusty box of old mini-discs, etc. Gathering, gathering dust in the corner. Dusted them down too many Very repetitions dusty. of the word dust. A lot of dust. <laughs> a lot I won't of dust. be on just a minute explaining that. Dust clearly. a minute. <laughs> dust a minute. Uh, dusty Springfield will be playing for you later <laughs> on. But you get the idea. There was quite a lot of dust yeah. involved. And uh, once that had been removed, we were able to uh, bring you these clips from September, October 2009. Warts and all. They're not gold, they're pewter. We can't promise everyone is gold. We've not heard them since, so it's all going to be news to us. So uh, we're going to kick off with Alan Brazil talking football. Fighting talk. It's what the, the punters want to hear, but sometimes I think you just got to say, you know, say how good the Dutch are, but when that whistle goes... Good growl, isn't it? But there we are. And staying with Big Al, going to the lines. So many texts and emails, quite incredible. And uh, I wonder what poor kid we're talking about. We'll find out in a moment. Just let me take one last one. Okay. Uh, 078, uh, sorry, 0870. Oh, oh, <laughs> Can't remember the number. Okay. Remember years ago, Gary Bushell was doing a show on the station. He gave out his mobile, inviting the <laughs> listeners to, to call his mobile, which probably wasn't the greatest idea. This mm. is uh, Mike Parry and Andy Townsend on mid-mornings, as it was then. And Mike getting a bit musical. You add seven to 157, you have a total of 164. You do, and this week's winner, Michael, is... It's Daniel. Daniel's on a plane tonight. That was the Elton John song. <laughs> well, not really. I'm not sure it was. I couldn't <laughs> see it selling quite as many as it did, based on that. It sounded, I don't know what it sounded like. Well, Daniel's really on a plane tonight. It's a bit folky, wasn't it? It wasn't very good. It wasn't very good. One more from Mr Barry here, yeah. with an appraisal of one of the all-time football greats. Do you remember Lev Yashin? Lev Yashin. Well, I, don't, I mean, I, I never saw an awful lot of him, but I, I saw do. him in the World Cup in '66. Lev, what was he like? Good. Well, he was grey and dark and Russian. You know what I mean? Grey, dark and Russian. There, <laughs> Lev Yashin. Um, here's Ronnie Irani on breakfast talking about his old teammate Andrew Flintoff. Freddie, doing that. Listen, I hope he plays again. 
to start with. I'm not sure he will. He's a major knee surgery mm. on uh, on his knees. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> that's what the, the surgeon sent a home in on those during <laughs> knee surgery, Ron. That's that's very true. This is Stan Collymore with a quick question for Birmingham City striker Kevin Phillips. What about scoring goals? Because obviously, you know, just looking at the results this season, lost by just the odd goal. So defensively, you know, people like. Um, Roger Johnson and, uh, have come in and, and done very well for you. Scored the one at home. Um, you, you mentioned James McFadden against Portsmouth. Draw mm. nil nil against Stoke. Uh, beat um, Southampton in the Carling Cup and then that 2-1 again. Only one goal in it. Um, in terms of yourself and the pool of the other strikers in there, the way that the, the, the gaffer played against um, Spurs with you know plenty of, of bodies in midfield... Mm. Um, and Gary O'Connor up front. Do you think that you should play two up front? Are you, are you all happy with playing one up front? Because I remember last season, and the reason I say that, the, the Sheffield United game, yeah. first game of the season, you scored the winner. Yeah. Um, not lots of goals from different parts of the pitch for Birmingham this uh, uh, last season. And it seems to be reverting to that this season. What is the kind of concern about scoring goals? Is is the gaffer asking more of his midfield players? Obviously, he's brought in Christian Benitez. You play your part. What's the general feeling? Alan, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, taking Alan on there toe to toe with that Alan when it came incredible to, when it came to a quick question. Yeah, <laughs> it's Adrian Durham now taking a call. I speak to Lee, an Arsenal fan, first time. Welcome to the show, Lee. Hello, welcome. Oh, okay. Well, he's, he's taking over, is he? Lee got his own show a week after that. Very good. Uh, staying with the calls, this is Mike Parry. Right, okay, Mike, let's go straight back to the lines and talk to Matthew in... Uh, lost in there, sorry. Matthew in Walthamstow, which is in East London. Hi, Matthew. Hi, Mike. I've moved from Walthamstow now. Oh, where are you now, yeah, then? I moved a couple of years ago. I'm in Buckers to Essex. Oh, okay. Well, it's great to know. You uh, didn't get invited to the house when we know, did we? Walthamstow. <laughs> Kenneth Walthamstow. <laughs> it was. And uh, here's the moose uh, with sports news. Celtic will be 2 1 at Happy Old Tel Aviv. Lala, the Teletubby Soundlight, got the goal after being set up by Tipsy Whipsy. Tipsy Whipsy, <laughs> that's the Alan Brazil version, of course, of uh, Teletubbies. <laughs> Uh, back to the callers again. Any time he's getting on the bar. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. You'd spot him at the bar, wouldn't you? No, don't have any trouble. Yeah. Sorry, lads, I can't serve you. And ladies. Um, so uh, back to the callers again and late night presenter, George Galloway. Here's Celia in Wembley. Go ahead, Celia. Yeah. Oh. Go on, you're on the air. Um, I can hear myself in the background. Can you no. turn me down? Um, uh, no. Have you got your radio turned down? No. It's not on at all. Oh. Anyway, you're coming over loud and clear. Please please go on. Yeah. I don't like hearing my voice coming back. You can't turn me down. There's nothing I can do, I'm afraid, no. Oh, blimmick. Fair enough. <laughs> we'll put you through to our engineering department. On. See if they can help you. Press two for engineering. Three to speak to George Galloway. And uh, what's next, Andy? It's Alan Brazil with uh, Aussie broadcaster Tony Shebeki and Alan's own unique take on the bushfires there. And Tony, uh, after the terrible, terrible fires that we witnessed uh, a few months ago, what about uh, the wine region now? Uh, Yarra Vale out there, has that recovered? Yeah. <laughs> That's all he was worried about. Alan's main concern. <laughs> I know the house burnt down, but the wine region, Tony, please. Um, yes, Andy. You can and finally, uh, this is you, Paul, on okay. the sports bar with Andy and Jason. Can you, can you do any bird impressions, Paul? Uh, I, I, I don't do it. I can do a peacock. Go on, Go on. Then. 
That's pretty good. <laughs> That's a pretty good peacock. Even you sounded a bit younger there. Yeah, I know I did, yeah. I can't remember I was on the sports bar, but I do remember that. And um, when I was a kid in my local park, Cliss Old Park in Stone Newington in North London, mm. nowhere, it's quite close to Worstenstow, actually. Is it really? Not yeah. a million miles. <laughs> we used to have peacocks there. Oh, so right. that was, there we are. That was the soundtrack <laughs> to my youth, playing, playing football in the... <laughs> That's good. Now, you tell it if anybody out there... you still do it. You never, you never lose it, Andy. You never, I, I don't get a great deal of use out of it now. Maybe I should start calling myself Paul. <laughs> Hawksby, and that could be... I can't get that on a T-shirt. Yeah, it'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of stub my toe in isolation, doesn't it? But honestly, if any, any peacocks out there listening this afternoon... But fawn in and tell us just a good... If you think you can do a better one before four o'clock... Yeah, I'll throw the gauntlet down. There we are. This is what they want. Three seven one seven double two double three double four. We'll have a we'll have a peacock off. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good idea. <laughs> that was a full know. sentence, by the way. Yes. Okay. Fine. So yes, uh, I don't know um, if anybody heard the international commentary for uh, the Champions League final. No, how did you do that? You're well, such a completist, Andy. No, did you watch it back with the international commentary <laughs> yeah, the following yeah, I, day? I always you do. You put the hours in, don't you, mate? <laughs> but no, I only know this because uh, Max Rushton informed us that on Twitter that uh, Stan, who he works for in Australia, yeah. who had the game, mm. had to switch to the BT commentary because the commentator, Tony Jones... He lost his voice, lost didn't he? Lost his voice. all that, yeah. Yeah, and I, I just wonder if anybody got it. It's got it. I'd quite like to hear it. I quite like well, you, you're not going to hear it, are you? Because well, he lost no, his voice. Well, I don't want to hear him. <laughs> You want to hear a man struggling in his yeah, work, do you? I do, really. <laughs> do you do any bird impressions? I don't. No. Okay. I used to do the bitten. That's Thank rubbish. Yeah, that's the bitten. None of the depth. None of the depths. Well, that's a, somebody playing a trumpet. It's terrible. I'll tell you what was terrible, as well as my impersonation of a bitten. Hmm. In fact, this was worse. It was Camille Caballo. Caballo. <laughs> <laughs> Kenneth <Come> Caballo. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's right. Ken Caballo. Ken Caballo. She's no relation, is it? She's no relation to Ken Caballo. I thought the opening ceremony was really strange. Why was it so Spanish? They spell out the word hola. Yeah. You know, which is obviously Spanish for hello. I mean, why why not, I don't know, bonjour or something? It seemed <laughs> a bit odd. Bonsoir. It was it was in France and it seemed very strange. And it was, she was dressed in Real Madrid white, which was all very, very odd. And Naughty, it, yeah. And the whole thing was really terrible, I thought. But, I didn't uh, watch, I've got to be honest. I um I, I, was it did they show it? It was kind of in the background, wasn't it? No, no, it? they showed it, and they had a very strange way of starting the ceremony. They they shot it from behind the goal mm. through the net. It was really odd. The whole thing was very strange. strange maybe expecting it. Maybe expecting a set to go to penalties. Mm. That would have been good. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Paul Hawksby, uh, Andy Jacobs uh, here on uh, Talk Sports, and yeah, we'll hopefully be heading to uh, France very shortly to uh, continue the reflections on the Champions League mm. final. I'm sure Andy Goldstein and Darren Bent will be doing likewise on and off the field in drive in around ten or so minutes' time. In the meantime, Andy. Yeah, the uh, Chelsea deal is supposed to go through today. There was a statement from Roman Abramovich on Saturday. I'm sure you saw it. Oh, yeah. It. And, uh, I mean, it seems to have been going through today for about the past oh, week. God, yeah, I know. Yeah. I don't know why it's taking so long. I, I, I think... I, I imagine mean, it's quite a complicated I don't think, deal. I don't think he'd announce that he's done it unless it was done. Do you? No. And it might be to do with when they want to announce it in terms of the American market and all that sort of situation. Yeah. That may be why it's a bit late. But it's um, it was it was quite a moving statement, and uh, it's I've always had a dichotomy when I think about Roman Abramovich. He's squaring the way that he acquired his wealth to the way he spent it, 
and how brilliant an owner he was and how much you know he gave back to the community in in lots of different ways and so but of course you can never get away with that association that he had and how he got the money but you know if you're looking at him purely as an owner he was a brilliant owner yeah. and he, he sounded gutted in that piece and you know people cite his association with putin and of course you can't get away from that but i can't believe he's happy with him i can't believe he doesn't think what have you done? I don't think you'll be telling him if he's not no, happy with him. No, that's the problem, isn't think it? Of the, uh, is very, very difficult. The consequences you know, I of think of, You know, there, there were mistakes made. It wasn't perfect. I mean, in terms of winning trophies, it was brilliant. But I think of yeah. Jose the first time around. Carlo Ancelotti should never have been let go. Let go. Conte. And there was a lot of... Yeah, he made he made mistakes sometimes. Oh, yeah, because the we, ego got in the way. It used to be... Like, I always felt that if, when the manager did really well, he'd sort of be jealous of them. And so, you know, you wouldn't support a manager that had won stuff. He had a real habit of doing that. Yeah. Jose had won two titles and wanted money spent on the team which was the right thing no Carlo the same thing did the double no foisted Torres on him that didn't help you know and also that famously I remember Ray Wilkins telling me that the, the night that they lost to Inter Milan Jose's Inter Milan it was incredible the way that Bravich had come into the dressing room mm. torn them all off a strip because he was so angry to lose to Jose so you know so there were Ray there, put him right didn't he you know and for, there was some mm. balmy Deals. I mean, Drinkwater, Kepper, Lukaku, Torres, Morata. But then on the other hand, there was Drogba and, and Costa and lots of brilliant deals. So yeah. you know, you know, and uh, and letting players like Salah and De Bruyne go were, were not great. And yeah. recently, some of the centre halves they've let go. It was interesting watching Colwell yesterday. I started watching that game because I wanted to see how he'd do. He's a young Chelsea player playing for Huddersfield. And he scored an own goal, which was unfortunate. Yeah, really. I mean, there's nothing you could do no, about that. No. He had to put, he had to stick a leg out. Is he going to come back to you? Is he's one of those going to get yeah. games? You think? Yeah, I think so. It looks like it. I think yeah. he's going to look at all of these players, you know, and they'll do a mixture of bringing some of those back, and they'll do, they'll buy some players. I mean, will. he was a totally unique owner in the way that he bankrolled the club. You're never ever going to have that again. No. From everything that they talk about, Todd Bowley, he'll get if there's profits to be made, he profit, will he will spend yeah. money. But you know, you're never going to get the sort of largesse you got. No, there's no business model really that no. works like no, that. No, I don't think it? I don't think there is. But they he's left the team in in a good sense with a great manager several good very brilliant youngsters and you know a nucleus of very good players yeah the, he needs like all clubs they need to do have a bit of a clear out and bring in some they need some defenders and they could do with another striker it's been disappointing I was telling you yesterday, uh, just before in the break I was watching Lukaku against Arsenal in the second game of the season mm. um, it's hard to gauge weight just by looks but I'd say half a stone minimum heavier by the end of the season really? he looked different fella he looked a different sharpness about him that just wasn't there towards the end whether that's confidence whether it's actual conditioning who knows could be a new chip you open around the corner <laughs> cob and fish and chips yeah, something like that yeah. imagine that that would be wouldn't it great be a sabotage uh, a football club where they all live near Cobham because the training grounds there and you go in you open a fantastic takeaway you double deep fry everything <laughs> Goodness. The lardiest of batter. Why would I want to do that? And then, no, if I, I do no, that, I'm opening it near Arsenal. I'll do that. <laughs> I'll do that. And uh, there we are. The boy, they, the boys can't resist it. Yeah. It's, it's got like a kind of footballer's catnip yeah. in there. In my in my twelfth 
herb and spice that I put in the, the chicken. <laughs> Marvellous. And the boys can't get enough of it. They waddle out every Saturday, barely able to get through 20 minutes. Marvellous. They can't gag and press. They've been to my chippy. Be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, look, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a stretch. I'll give you that. I mean, as plans go to derail Chelsea... <laughs> That's got, a good plan. I don't have the money to open that kind no. of place. I don't know how to cook. I mean, I've got no secrets. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, they've spent so much money acquiring the club that, you know, it, you do wonder how they're going to recoup this money, but who knows? Yeah, indeed. Um, yeah, so we were telling you earlier on that it was the 442 magazine uh, who were to, to thank for Real Madrid winning the Champions League. Uh, because mm. uh, they they didn't put Courtois in their top ten goalkeepers uh, <laughs> around ludicrous. Europe, and he and he fed off it. He 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 completely fed off of that what he saw as an injustice, and uh, that was the first thing he said. You and, may have noticed. First also, thing he said after the game was to was to say, "I, I felt that was disrespectful." But I mean, it's it's great to have yeah, that his power. ego. He the has got a massive point. ego. There's no question about it. But he's a brilliant goalkeeper, yeah. and he was a pretty good goalkeeper when he was at Chelsea. But he's become, you know, a much better keeper. He's, he is right up there. He's got to be number one in the world for me. And uh, although four four two had it as Mendy, now Mendy's a great shot stopper, but uh, you know, and can comp- command his box. But with his feet, he's absolutely dreadful. And so, you know, that is a big factor with modern goalkeepers. You yeah. have to look at that too. They uh, went with Mendy one, De Gea two, Manuel Neuer yeah. three, Edison Allison. Aaron Ramsdale, Jose mm. Sarr, Unai Simon, uh, Yassin Bunu of um, Sevilla, and Jan Oblak, of course. He was not at the best no, of seasons. No, he didn't have the best season. But by his very high standard. Also, Ramsdale, is a, he's a good keeper, and he's done very well for Arsenal, but he also has a touch of the Pickfords, old Pickfords about him. He sometimes are really panicky and really, yeah. you know, sort of quite anxious sort of keeper and I'm not sure yeah I'm sure he'll get better but Pickford had a great season as well yeah that's very true Yeah, he yeah. got a save of the season for that one from, from he should Aspilicu have done as well got the double it's save was fantastic was yeah save. that was that was right up Tell there so um, so that is hell of a thing though to feed off isn't it and that's the first thing that comes to mind just after yeah. you've had one of the I mean maybe because he, he was speaking career. to Des and it was, he knew it was British TV so he wanted to sort of get that in but I don't know yeah He's never, you know, Ancelotti when he was chatting to Des Kelly afterwards. There is something he's just sort of so laid back, isn't he, mm. as a as a character? Yeah. Do recommend he wrote a book about management. It was more. It wasn't really. A, it wasn't an autobiography, but it it, it touched on yeah. on his career. But it was a sort of management book, and he came in and chatted to us about it. And uh, he was fascinating. Good man. He? And the yeah. book is really fascinating as well about his approach. If you want to try and get inside the mind of the way he works now he gets the best out of people it's 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 well worth a read he always does well you know wherever he goes but you're right what he said about why he gets the job is why he gets fired yeah but hey, look you know none of them last for forever do they well there is a feeling though that uh, this group will you know change managers less than Abramovich did because i think there were times this season where if it had been full of Bramvich, Tuchel could have been in trouble. Yeah. Even though Actually, things weren't really his fault. Towards the end of the season. But often if, if a manager failed to get the best out of the owner's pick, like Torres or Lukaku, that they'd pay for the price for him with their job. Would you have Ancelotti back? Well, I like Tuchel, so not at this no. stage. But why wouldn't you at any point have not have Ancelotti? He's a great manager. And you need to get the deal done because you've been... We were talking earlier on about uh, Usman Dembele for Manchester... Uh, no, for... Mm. We are talking about for Liverpool, weren't yeah. we, as a potential replacement for... Well, they need to get on with other clubs. You've seen Villa have been really active and Spurs have been quite active and, you know, other clubs are, you know, Liverpool have got players in. So, and City have done 
they've got two strikers coming in, haven't they? But until the deal is done, I mean, I suppose agents, they're, they're getting all their ducks in a row, but they can't do the they deals. Can't they can't do bring the deals, players no. in. No, right, I don't know what the, what the delay is. It apparently is going to be today, so let's hope that is the case. Famous last we'll words. We'll talk about that tomorrow, Andy. <laughs> definitely going to be today. Oh, yes, definitely. definitely going to be Today's today. The That's day. almost uh, certainly the point. Yeah, and uh, of course... Um, mm. Um, we're going to be building up to that uh, that Scotland Ukraine game uh, on uh, Wednesday. Night. The football keeps coming. That should be a massive one as well. Whoever gets through the yeah. Wales game on I feel Saturday bad night, I told my wife the season's over. But then it'll <laughs> be another game. I think quite a few game. people have said similar things. I said that's it. I said yesterday Championship uh, final tomorrow, but that's it. There's no yeah. more football. <laughs> and then it flashes up, and uh, you know Dave Pratton saying, "Don't forget, of course, Wednesday evening, <laughs> and then again on Saturday, <laughs> yeah, of course. and then we got the pre-season friendlies." Yeah. And uh, we got, uh, I think Tim Vickery joined us later in the week. They've had the beach football, Copper America beach football, Andy. Oh, really? Yeah. We'll find out a That's bit more good, about yeah. that. Because a lot of the old lags often turn out, a lot of the great old Brazilians Quite a few of them and were South the American Champions players. League final. They like Ronaldinho and yeah. Ronaldo. Noticed that they do love a little celebrity talking, cut around the games. Talking to um, <laughs> Rafa Nadal, who Michael Owen just didn't recognise at all. Yeah, it was brilliant. It's always good when they throw in a, a kind of curveball that they'll cut around and there's Clarence Sadorf and yeah. there's Ronaldinho and then... And somebody said, that's Carnivara. And I thought, well, that's not Carnivara. Yeah, it was, it, yeah. Was it? Yeah, it was. I didn't yeah. think he was. It was him, yeah, yeah. And then they say, cut away and there's just a Paul chuckle. And you think, why is he, why is he chatting to Ronaldinho? He's just a little celebrity curveball. They should employ minor celebrities just to uh, just to sit in these Gemma, uh, seats. Gemma Collins. Paul Potts from Britain's Got Talent. He just suddenly, there he is, just pops Tremendous. up. Gemma Collins. Yeah, she'd probably get a ticket. That worked for me. Actually, almost certainly get a ticket. Yeah. Anything else? <sighs> <laughs> I could like to discuss have, in the absence of a trip to not Paris. Football. It just struck me as a strange story. Yeah, this is the fact that Alfie Bow. Oh yeah, uh, says the British national anthem will wipe the floor with the Sex Pistols in their jubilee chart ba battle. Yes, he's teamed up with soprano Sarah Brightman, sixty-one. Who cares to release release a version of "God Save the Queen" to mark the royal milestone? He's doing. Well, he's Who's not doing. Buy not, that. He's not doing the Pistols version, is he? <laughs> No, they're releasing that at the same time, I suppose, oh, okay. to go along with the fact that the TV show's out right. about their life. I've been quite surprised the way that, that sort of the, the, the God of... Save the Queen from the Sex Pistols mm. has been embraced. You think Primark are doing a T-shirt oh, really? of it. For, I'm not quite necessarily what the Sex Pistols... the Queen wore You do it. feel it was the day that <laughs> Punk died. <laughs> the Queen wore it. Yeah, good chance for that. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Here we are. That was this afternoon's show. We'll do it all again. Uh, Andy's with me tomorrow from uh, 1. Do hope you can join us. Uh, if not, the podcast available around 4 o'clock. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.